Once again, we'd like to welcome everybody, all of our guests today. We're so glad that you are here worshiping with us, celebrating All Nations Sunday. Amen. Praise God. We're so glad to have you here. Amen. The Lord bless you. You may be seated. Thank you for standing this morning. Amen. One quick thing, if you would, uh, before some of you run across the hall and dive into the food, before we do that, after we're done this morning, if you would give us a chance to give some instructions on how we're going to accomplish this and also lay a few small ground uh, ground rules to make sure it all goes smoothly. So uh, it, we're not going to open up the food until we're completely done this morning and able to do that. Praise God. I want to just take a moment today. I feel like the Lord has placed something on my heart for someone in this room today. I know you might have come because you were invited by a friend, or maybe you came out of curiosity. Maybe you came for the food. That's okay. But I believe today that someone in this room, that God ordained this moment and knew that you were going to be here. The Bible says he knows the end from the beginning. That nothing catches God by surprise. Nothing God does is accidental. And so he may have used food to get you here and may have gotten food to get you in the door. But he hasn't brought you here just to feed your belly. But he's here today to feed your soul. And so if you would just for a few moments today, if you would just allow me to share something with you and not just tune me out, but if you would let me, and hopefully you don't hear my words and my voice, but in this you would feel the tug of the Spirit of God on your heart that whatever you've come in here today needing, whatever whatever valley you've crawled out of, whatever difficulty or trial that you're going through, whatever situation that you're facing, whatever your life story has been up to this point, that this is not the end of the story, but yet another chapter yet to be written I'd like to draw your attention you may be remain seated you'd like to draw your attention to a to a passage in the gospel of John I'm going to read it in a different translation if you would it'd be maybe difficult to follow along if you have a King James but I'm going to read it out of the New Living Translation a a, a, a passage in John chapter 5 verse number 1 that is a phenomenal story about a miracle, but there's some things in this miracle that I think are beyond just simply what Jesus did, but it kind of helps us understand a little bit of maybe where some of us are at today and how we can change how we came in this place. This is the story. It says this, Afterwards, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days, Inside the city near the sheep gate was the pool of Bethesda with five port covered porches. Everybody say five covered porches. We need to remember that. And crowds of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, lay on the porches. Everybody say crowds. That says it wasn't just one or two, but the word crowds means that there were more than that could be counted at that time. There were crowds of sick there that day. One man laying there had been sick for 38 years. 
I've been through some stuff in my lifetime. I've been through some seasons that felt like they were going to last a long time. But I don't know if I've ever been through anything that lasted that extended period of time. Maybe some of you in here today, you can trace some of your difficulty in your life, the way you're struggling, the way you feel, maybe the hurt and pain in your life. Maybe you can trace it back to childhood and now you sit here today and you're older. Maybe you're not just an adult. Maybe you're a grandfather, a grandmother, and you're you're up in your years, but yet you can still trace back things in your life that happened when you were young and you say, well, you know, it's been too long. There's been too many sunrises and sunsets for God to be able to do anything but yet here is one man for 38 years had a condition and when Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time he asked him this question would you like to get well that seems to me like the dumbest question to ask somebody that had been sick for 38 years. Would you like to get well? Duh. Um, I'm laying here. I'm sick. I can't move for 38 years. I think I want to get whole. But this is the man's response. I can't. The sick man said, for I have no one to put me in the pool when the waters bubble up. Someone always has to get there ahead of me. Jesus told him, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. There's some things I'd like to point out in this story that we just read that I think may help you today in bridging the gap between where you are and where God can work in your life. The first thing I'd like to bring out is for us to look at this situation from kind of a a 10,000 uh, 10,000 foot elevation and look at it from a, from a higher perspective. And first and foremost, you have to understand, can you imagine there is a pool that is there? It, and not to get into all the dimensions of how big the pool is, it wasn't, it wasn't some massive lake, but it was a decent sized pool. And there are literally, the Bible uses the word crowds, crowds of sick. Not just one or two, but multiple And I believe at this point in time, it wasn't just 10, it wasn't just 20. I think it would be safe to say that a crowd connotates somewhere probably even over 100, if not higher than that, and maybe even larger than that. That if you knew that you had something in your body or a situation you were going through and there was healing power in the water that was there and there would be an angel that would come down and the Bible said would trouble the water and you could see a a physical change in the water and the Bible says the first person to get in the water after the water was troubled would be healed. Now, if you've got no medical insurance, you've got no doctors, no hospitals, no surgeons, you've got nowhere to go to, and you're sick, that's the hot spot in the city. So you've got to imagine how many people must have been around in that place. But the problem was this. Only one could be healed at a time. And so somewhere in this story we find that this man, now we don't know if he was at the pool for 38 years, but we know he had been lame for 38 years. He had been there for quite a while. This wasn't his first Sunday at the pool. 
He had been there for quite a few, and we'll go a little farther, and we'll tell you why we know he had been there for a while. But he's there, and there's crowds of people, and can you imagine the chaos that would ensue when the water was troubled? Everybody trying to get in. Blind people don't even know where they're going. They're just walking and hoping to get wet. Lame people pulling themselves, trying to get in the water, and the frenzy that that would cause to get into the water, knowing the first person in would be able to be whole. I can't imagine what that been, would have been like. But then when Jesus shows up to this man, he asks him what seems to be on a surface level a stupid question. I know there's kids in here. Don't use it at home, kid. Don't say stupid. I can today, but forgive me, Jesus, for saying stupid. It's a dumb question. I'll be, P, I'll be G today. It's a dumb question. Would you like to be whole? Would you like to be healed? Would you like to be healed? Here's somebody for 38 years had been sick. Wouldn't it be obvious that he'd like to be healed? That doesn't take great. You don't have to have some kind of spiritual uh, gifting to be able to figure out, ooh, I think this person wants to be healed. Ooh, I feel God telling me this person, he's been sick for 38 years. I didn't, God doesn't have to tell me today that, ooh, somebody in this room is hungry. Mm, somebody in about an hour from now is going to be eaten. That's prophetic. Ain't not prophetic. It's just obvious. Like me asking a question here today. Who didn't have breakfast? And you raise your hand and say, anybody in here hungry? I didn't have breakfast. Of course I'm hungry. Jesus asked him the, the dumbest question. Would you like to be healed? And at surface, that seems crazy. But if we look a little farther, we find out it wasn't as crazy of a question as we first thought. Because here's what took place. We find the man had to be a distance from the pool because his excuse to Jesus was, I can't get to the pool because I got nobody to get me there. Wait a minute. If my answer's in that water, and I got to be the first person in that water, let me tell you how I'm going to do it. If this is the pool and this is the edge, I'm right here, baby. My hand's right above the water at all times. I'm just dipping. I'm, I'm right there. I'm just right there. You ain't beat me in that water. I don't care if to sit on this edge all day long, 24 hours a day. If I know that water's my answer, I'm sitting right here. But somewhere along the line, he had begun to lose hope of his healing and he had drifted farther and farther away from the source of his miracle to the point where now he's back under and we go back to those porches, right? Remember we said five porches? They were coverings, overhangs. You mean he, he got tired of living in the elements. He got tired of being in the sun. He got tired of being in the heat. And so he wanted a miracle, but he also wanted to be comfortable. He wanted to be in the shade. He wanted a comfort. He wanted the miracle, but yet he wasn't willing to live the sacrifice needed to get the miracle. He wanted it on his terms. He wanted it out of convenience. He wanted to say, wait, the water's troubled. Everybody stop. Bob's been here for 38 years. I think it's time for Bob to get his miracle. Somebody carry Bob into the water. Good Jewish name, Bob. That's what he wanted. Because when he was asked the question, would you like to be healed? His, you know, my answer, I don't know about you, my answer, would you like to be healed? I'd have been, yes. What do you think I'm hanging out by the pool for? 
not serving any drinks. I'm chilling. I'm not here in a resort. I'm trying to get healed. But his action wasn't yes. His reaction was an excuse. Because you see, his condition had become his normal. You see, when you live with something so long, it becomes your normal. It doesn't, ha- it doesn't matter how, un- how, how, how out of the norm it looks for me. To you, it's your norm. And see, for you to get out of your normal, Jesus has got to ask you a question that seems a little off. But he's got to wonder today, do you really want to get healed? The question here today is not, can God do it? The really question today is, do you really want to get healed? Did you come today to get some food? And that's cool if you did. I'm not saying that to be to, to sound defensive. If that's what you came for, that's what we have food for. But more than that, do you have anything in your life that you need God to do today? You say, well, isn't that kind of a dumb question today, preacher? I'm in church. Yes, you're here today, and you're gathered together with us, and you've worshipped with us, but I can't make it happen for you. You say, well, I'd be healed if I could get, if I could, if, 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 if. But the question wasn't, can I heal you? The question is, do you want it? It's not God today holding back and saying, well, you know what? Oh, let me think about this for a second. Let me see. Um, boy, I'd really like to touch some people today, but let me see. I got uh, I got lunch with Gabriel at twelve, uh, and Michael the Archangel wants a meeting at three. I don't know if I can fit them in or not. I don't know. I, I just it's it's a long way down there to Crofton Middle School. I'm not sure I can get all the way down there in time. Do you really think that's God's attitude today? So it's not whether or not God can do it or wants to do it. The problem is, do you want it? And it, I can't make that decision for you. I can't shout you there. I can't jump you there. I can't beg you there. And that's why Jesus asked him the question, do you really want to be healed? Do you want to be healed? Do you want something to change in your life? Or have you become accustomed to where you are and that's your normal and you're just going to stay in your normal? And you've just accepted. Somewhere along the line, I believe, he began just to accept, well, this is just the way it is, you know, that old term. It's just my lot in life. That's just the way it is. Well, you know, I'm not like everybody else. I, it's, it's just, you know, life's unfair and I'm just the way it is. And some people say this, it's my cross to bear. And so then we begin to back our way out of what God's willing to do because we're afraid of if we try, he'll let us down. You know what? I don't care how many times I had to get in that pool and I was number four, number seven, number 11, number two, number six, number 14, number 91, number 52. I'm going to keep getting in that pool until I'm number one. But somewhere in the line of this, this man had lost hope that he'd ever be the one to be able to get healed. And so he had begun to back away from the source of his healing to the point when Jesus showed up. And this is the miracle worker. When Jesus shows up, he doesn't say to him, hey, you're out here. And the Bible says Jesus knew he'd been sick for a long time. So Jesus already knew he'd been in this condition more than a few days. And you think Jesus would have just said to him, you're healed. 
Whoa, that was awesome. But that proves right there that even the man Christ Jesus walking on this earth can't get past you. Woo! That even Jesus can't bypass you. That if anybody, anybody could ever bypass you, you would think it'd be the be God himself robed in flesh and Jesus just walked up in here and just began to touch people or as some of the preachers just blow on you I won't be blowing trust me you don't want that blown on you you think that would be the case and he just walk around sort of just giving it out take it take it take it but yet Jesus could not get past this man and where he was. And Jesus had to ask him, would you be made whole? You see, here's the beauty part. He was sitting at the pool of Bethesda. Word Bethesda in the Hebrew is translated to mean the house of mercy. He didn't even realize that he was sitting in the house of mercy. And then the mercy giver shows up. Because you see, some people hear the term mercy and they hear the term grace. And they think they mean the same thing. But mercy and grace are not synonymous terms. They don't mean the same thing. Let me break it down to you this way. Here's the difference. Grace is when you get what you don't deserve. And mercy is when you don't get what you do deserve. You see, my sin should be punished. Because the Bible says the wages of sin are death. But mercy says I'm not going to give you what you deserve. You see, really, if God was the way that most of the time we think he is, don't you think Jesus would have given him the lecture of his life? Don't you think Jesus would have said to him, would you like to be made whole? And his words were, I can't. And Jesus would have said, are you kidding me? How dare you make that? And Jesus would have gone on this tirade. But you see, that's not the way Jesus is. Jesus is a, a God of mercy. My wife said it earlier in the testimony she was given. Our, our idea of today is that we're sort of somehow dodging the hammer of heaven as he thrust it down on us. Bad, 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 bad people. And so here we're today, we're dodging the hammer of heaven. And we come to church to pay our respects to the great God of heaven so he doesn't smash us over the head for another week. But that's not how God operates because you see, when he looks down at you, he doesn't see you for what you think he sees you. He doesn't see the broken, the messed up stuff you think that disqualifies you. But the Bible says he draws nigh to a broken spirit and a contrite heart. Meaning that when he looks down in your life and he sees the things you're going through and he sees the broken places and he sees the hurt and he sees the pain and he sees the difficulty and he sees the struggle and he sees the abuse and he sees the misuse and he sees the ups and the downs it doesn't make him step back but it actually makes him step towards you he doesn't look down at you today and say you get your act together and you straighten up and you fly right and then I'll come down and I'll touch you but he looks down and some of you let's just be face it's just you and me in here today you got some messed up stuff 
Stop acting like you got it together. We know the truth. Life's messed up. Ain't everything perfect. I don't care what you post on Facebook. That ain't the truth. You can fool your friends, but you ain't fooling yourself. Your Facebook life may be what you want, but it ain't the one, the life you got. And the bottom line is that today, you come in here, and you, you the, 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 the natural thought process is, if I've got stuff in my life that I need help on, I wouldn't even really have to ask today, do you want God to do it? Really, I'd say, look, folks, we got to stop praying. You've been praying way too long. Because it'd just be people just constantly praying, asking God, God, do it, do it, do it. But you know what's funny? I watch people, and I know some of you are here for the first time, and you're, that's, that's not like you, but I've been around for a long time. I watch people week after week after week after week after week, month after month, month after month, year after year after year, come in the same stuff and leave the same way. And when you ask them why, there is not a response of help, but there's a response of excuse. Well, you know, you don't know what I've been through. Well, you don't know how bad it really is. Well, you know, you don't know how messed up I really am. You know what? I don't, and I really don't want to know. But the fact of the matter is this today, that Jesus knows. Jesus knows. And I know that sounds so cliche and so silly and, and so sort of petty in our world today that Jesus loves you and Jesus knows oh that sounds it, and we, we dismiss it but the fact of the matter is that when you lay down on your pillow at night and the lights go out and there's nobody around you except you and your thoughts that's where Jesus looks down and says if you would let me help you you ain't come today to join a church. We don't have a membership role back in the back that says, you know what? You want Jesus to help you? Sign up and become a member. You don't have to come to this church for Jesus to help you. You don't have to be a member here for God to touch you. In fact, there's no qualification on church membership in the Bible for Jesus to help you. The fact is, a simple one question. Will you be healed? That's the question today. It's not what can God do. Because you know what? If you give me time, I could go on hour after hour after hour after hour on things that God can do and God has done. Not stuff out of the Bible that happened thousands of years ago. But if I could today, I could walk around here and I could give the microphone to people and they could tell you their story and they could tell you where they came from and they could tell you what God did in their life. Not stuff in some book, but stuff in people sitting right next to you. I could tell you that today. And that would be awesome to hear the testimonies of things that God's done. Lies that God's put back together again. Things changed that God has broken. People whose life was, was in total shambles. That God came and piece by piece with every ounce of, of love and grace and mercy. He put back together again. And we could sit here and look at that and be amazed. And, and that would be awesome. But that's not what we're here to do today. We're not here to talk about what God can do because we know what he can do. We're here to say today, would you get well? Would you get well? Will you get healed? Would you give God a chance? Are you going to just accept this is, this is life? This is the way life is. And this is what I'm going to accept. And this is the way it's going to be. And give maybe an excuse or two. And it may sound good. Come on. 
What better excuse? If you want a good excuse, the guy gave a pretty good excuse. He couldn't walk. I mean, if you want a good excuse, he had a good excuse. He couldn't walk. And he said, I got nobody to get me in the pool. If you want a good excuse, that sounds a pretty good excuse. But Jesus knew that wasn't the real source of the problem. Because he didn't ask the man, would you like me to put you in the pool? That would have been the answer. If, you want to, if that's the problem, he would have said to you, would you like me to be the man to take you to the pool? Or his response to the man was, would you like to get well? Well, I don't have anybody, uh, well, I don't anybody to put me in the pool. Take care of that. Peter, John, this is your new post right here, buddies. You're going to stand here. When the water's troubled, you get that man in the pool. Problem solved. You see, he didn't realize he was looking at the pool for an answer when the answer was standing right in front of him. Can I say to you today, some of you, you're looking for the answer and you think you found it, but you've got every excuse why it just happened. Well, when I get that job. Oh, come on, I know it. When I get that job, everything's going to be better. I'm going to get that money, and we're going to be able to do this. I'm going to be able to go here. I'm going to be able to provide this for my children. I'm going to be able to do that, and I won't have this debt of mine. I'll get out of this, this house. I'll move to a better. I got When I get that job, and you get that, that phone call, yeah, we're going to hire somebody else. See, I knew it. I just had to stay like this. I didn't get that job. They never hired me. I knew it. Always somebody got, always somebody against me, keeping me down. Ooh, we ain't talking about a pool now. We're talking about real stuff. Ooh, you want me to go back to the pool? Go back to the pool. Go back to the pool. You see, if I had this, I'd, I'd do it. But if I, you know, Christmas is coming. I could get my kids some stuff. We got all this stuff now that we think we're chasing the answer when the answer, the true answer, and the only answer is right in front of us. But the question is, would you like to get well? Would you like to do well? The question today is, it's not let's try to find the end. Let me sit down and help you. My goodness, now, if you go to the bookstore, and there are very few bookstores left, or you go somewhere that sells books, 90% of books, it seems like nowadays, are self-help books. Get a better you. Have a better you in seven days. Have a better husband in seven days. Have a better wife in seven days. Have better kids in six days. Have a better life in five days. Five habits for successful people. Five ways to be happy. 762 ways to get over your past. My God. And you know what's crazy? All of them say something different. You read one, they say you got to do this. The other one say you got to do that. No, this ain't the answer to And I'm like, my God, I've read all of them. I'm all messed up. Have my best life now. Have my best life yesterday. Get your left back. I mean, it's like how to change your kids in a week. My goodness. We're on two years. They're still working on that. And all this stuff, why? Why, why do people... And I'm not saying there's like there's some good stuff in there. Don't don't dismiss me. Don't if you if you if you read them or you wrote them, don't get mad at me. I'm not saying none of that's the problem. I'm just saying that shows people are looking for an answer. 
that shows that there are literally shelves upon shelves at a bookstore now that are bigger than even sections about stuff that's real tangible. There's section upon section of self-help books. Why? Because people are looking for an answer because they realize what they've got's not working and they want to change it, but they don't know how to change it. And they're looking for a way to do it. And now they're trying to find the answer. And I'm not trying to make it oversimplified today, but I'm going to tell you, there is but one answer. Let me help you out. Let me save you $9.99 and you not go buy the book. There's one answer. It's a one word book. Jesus. Chapter 1, Jesus. Chapter 2, Jesus. Chapter 3, Jesus. Chapter 4, Jesus. Chapter 5, Jesus. Chapter 6, Jesus. That's the answer. That's the book. There is no other way. You don't need anything else if you got Jesus. question is, would you like to get well? Would you like to get well? Because you know what? In just a few moments, I believe God wants to do something in this place today to confirm his word. Not to confirm me, but to confirm his word. But you know what? In just a few moments, there are some that are going to take him up on his offer. There's some that are going to walk out of here. And when you get in your car and life sinks back on your shoulders... Those excuses will start, well, you know, I would have done it, but there was people there. I'm just not a, I'm a shy person, and I just don't want to stand out in a crowd. Well, you know, I would have done it, but it's just, that's not my church. Well, fine, but not your church, but I thought somewhere the Bible says Jesus is everywhere. So, We can either dwell on the why nots, or we can just say, God, you asked, so here's my answer. Do you want to be well? Yes. I'm taking you up on your offer today. Do you want to be well? Yes. Do you want your life to change? Yes. Do you want your heart mended? Yes. Do you want the broken pieces of your life? Yes. That's the response. It's a simple yes, simple no. But it's not a yes or no to me. I can't change it. You can come up to me and say, oh, Pastor, I want my life to change. I can't help you. But I know one who can. But the question he's asked today, he wants me to ask you in prayer this morning. I woke up and this was on my mind. Would you like to be well? Well, what if, I, what if I give God a chance and it doesn't happen? Then what have you lost? What are we going to lose here, folks? Put it this way. You're not going to walk out any worse. Let's be honest. If you're broken and you give God a chance, it's not like you're going to walk out of here more broken. But if you give him a chance, there's a great possibility 
that instead of walking out of here broken, you can walk out of here mended. Instead of walking out of here confused, you can walk out of here with peace and direction. Without, instead of walking out of here hopeless, you can walk out of here with hope. We're not asking some. We're not asking for a membership today. I'm just simply asking you, pleading with you more is, is the better term. I'm pleading with you. Would you just give God an opportunity or a chance? Would you like to be well? Or put it this way, do you really want to change? Everybody to say today, if I ask you, do you want your life to change? I'd say probably 80% easy without even thinking about it. Hesitate. I'd like my life to change. Okay, great. If you do, now what are you going to do about it? Do you really want to change? Then do something about it. Because you know what? When we say we want change, but we're not willing to do something about it, the question is, do we really want to change? Do we want to really change, or are we just accepting the condition, and we're now back underneath the shade of the porch, and we watch person after person get in the pool, and we just say, well, what could have been, what should have been, what might have been? Well, man, did you see that today? God really did some awesome stuff today. Boy, I wish he could have done it for me. Well, if you get off the porch and into the water. But you see, the great thing about this today, it's not like it was in that story. Because you know what? Don't do this. It's a hypothetical. But it'd be like you saying, okay, everybody look under your seat. If you've got a red sticker under your seat, you're the one Jesus wants to help today. Quick look. You know, about two seconds, someone jumps up. Yes, I got a red sticker. And half people go, yay. And the other half, like, I'm going to throw a rock and hit them before they get up there. You can't be healed if you're dead. That wouldn't be very fair. Because you know what would happen? This is how, I'm a, let me, if you have never been in church very long, let me just tell you how, 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 how church people how this happens in church. This is how we roll in church, right? Because more than likely, the person that got the red sticker, someone would say, well, their life's not as bad as mine. How'd they get a red sticker? Their life's not as messed up as mine. That's not fair. That's not fair. But you know what? The great part about it is, there's no pool. There's no qualification. There is no red sticker. Any Body who wants it can get it. It's not the first person. It's not the second person. It's every person. It's everybody that's willing to answer the question. Would you like to be well? Yes. Would you like to get whole? Yes. It's not for the first person to answer this question correctly. You've won the prize. Would you like to be healed? Yes. That's it. God. No, it doesn't work that way. Anybody who wants it. So you can't even point to your neighbor and say, well, they got it and I can't get it. You can't point to your person in front of you and say, well, God touched them, so I guess that means he can't touch you. Nope, nope, nope. It just simply comes down to, and this is the thing that we hate, especially in 2017. Nobody likes to take responsibility for anything. The dog ate my homework. The devil made me do it. Everybody has somebody to blame. But bottom line is anybody that's willing to say, 
God, I want to be made whole. If my husband don't, doesn't want to do it, I want it. If my wife doesn't want it, I want it. If my kids don't want it, I want it. If my parents don't want it, I want it. I want to be made whole. Do you really want to be well? Chris, if you'd come. I'm, again, I say this not to repeat myself, and I'm finished. I say this today not to repeat myself, but to sincerely ask you a question. Do you really want to be well? And not an ask a question from pastor, but really ask you a question. That's what God wants to ask someone in this place today. Do you really want to be well? Would you stand with me this morning? I'm going to ask in just a moment if you would do something. And before you dismiss it as simply an act, well, there you go. See, everybody does this. I'm not, I'm, not try, I'm not doing this out of a traditional act that people do. I want to do this out of your faith connecting with God. Because you say, see it this way. There are three steps to faith. The Bible says that first faith begins in the heart. It's in the mind. It begins here. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Faith is a seed that begins so as I preached today and ministered, some of you have begun to receive faith in you. You've started to say, I want to be whole. I want to be healed. You said yes. So that's the first step of faith. The second part about faith is this. I believe, therefore have I spoken. So not only is faith something that's in my mind, but faith is also something I speak. But here's the third part of faith that's always the toughest. The Bible says that faith without works is dead. Or we like to say it nowadays, actions speak louder than words. I know I've used this a ton, but allow me to use it again. Brother Bickley, come help me. This is Brother Bickley. He's going to stand here today, and I'm going to walk up to him, and this is what I'm talking about. I'm going to say to you guys, I love Brother Bickley. I love him. That's what I say. But what if I walked up to him and said, Brother Bickley, I love you. And just gave him a good one right across the face. No, no, seriously. Don't get mad at me, Brother Bickley. I love you. Question, very simple. Would he believe what I said or what I did? That's easy, right? So if I tell today that do you want to be well, and I say, yes, God, I want you to do it, but yet I don't have any actions to what I just said, do I really believe what I said? Same concept, right? So I say, God, I want you to do something in my life today. I want my life to change. I do, but then I don't act on that. I really am not believing what I'm saying. Well, you can't judge me like that. I'm not judging. That's the Bible. The Bible says faith without works is what? Dead. So you have a choice. Do you want dead faith or alive faith? Dead faith can't change you. But faith that's alive whew, can do some amazing stuff. So how do I put life in my faith? I've got to speak it and do it. That's how I bring life to my faith. 
So I'm going to, just a minute, I'm going to ask somebody. One person, two person, ten, ten persons. However many desire to God for God to do something. I'm going to ask you one more time. Do you really want to be well? And if that's your answer today, I want to be changed. I want that. I'm tired of living a life with excuses. I'm tired of coming up with ways why it can't happen. I really want it to happen. I believe God can do it. Then I'm going to ask you in just a moment, put some action to your faith. Don't just sit in the porch, but get into the water. And how do we get in the water? Today, here's how we're going to do it. It doesn't have to always be like this, but this is the way I feel to do it today. We're going to get out of our seats. Now, God can move anywhere. Ain't nothing special about here. We didn't pray over this carpet. It's not holy carpet. It's just carpet. It's wrinkled holy carpet. No, just carpet. It's not carpet. Isn't that special? But there's something that happens for me when I respond to what I say. Because let's be honest. If I say, do I really want to change? Well, you know, I'll take it or leave it. Let's see what happens. But do I really want to change? Yes. And whatever i got to do for it to happen, I'm willing to do it. That's faith. And you know what? God responds to faith. And after this whole exchange, at the end of it, he just simply looked at the man and said, be healed. Get up, walk. And the Bible says immediately, 38 years, in just a moment, 38 years. I won't even ask you how long you've dealt with what you're dealing with. Some of you, it'd be decades, but I'm telling you. You say, how can God do something that has lasted so long in just a moment? Very simple answer, because he's God. That's it. Because he's God. The question is, will you allow him? So I wonder today, is there anybody in this place? We're not, gonna, we're not praying yet. We're just going to see who's wanted, who wants to take God upon his offer. Is there anybody today that you want to be healed? You want to be well? You want to be changed? That you're willing to take a step of faith and just come stand down here together? Come on. Anybody willing to come stand? Don't let them come alone. If you got a guest with them, if you got a guest, ask them to come with you. Jump in the pool with them. Don't let them be like that man says, I got nobody to go in the pool with me. Grab them by the hand and say, let's go jump in together. Let's go get wet together today. Don't pray yet. We're just going to come stand. Amen. Here's what we're going to do in just a moment. The Bible says, book of Zechariah says this. Not by might, not by power, but, 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 by my, anybody know that next word? Spirit. So what happens today is not a natural thing. What happens today is not mind over matter. What happens today is not somehow God gives you some ability to get self-help and become better on your own. It's not by might, it's not by power, but it's a supernatural thing 
It's a work of the Spirit, done by the Spirit, and through the Spirit. So what does that mean? If in order for me to have that happen in my life, then I must get in connection with the Spirit of God. Which means for those of us that here that have received the Spirit of God, as the Bible has said, then we can connect to the Spirit of God. And for those of us in this room that have never received the Spirit of God like they did in the Bible, then I can receive His Spirit. And what I desire to happen in my life can be done by a work of the Spirit. Not by what I can do with my mind, but it can happen in the Spirit. Because you know what? What we really want to see happen today is not for you to say, well, that was cool, that was neat, but to really to leave out of here going, I see God differently now than when I did when I first came. I see God in a greater way. I found God in a greater way than when I did. That's what I want. When I walk out of those doors and I get in my car, I want to know I see God differently than I saw when I came in. I want to know Him greater. I want to be touched by Him greater. So here's what we're going to do in just a moment. Because I can't help you and nobody else can help you, just Jesus. In just a moment, I'm going to ask all of you that are down here, we're going to close our eyes. And we're closing our eyes not to be spooky or mystical, but we're closing our eyes because there's no reason why I need to be distracted by me or someone around me because they can't help me anyways. So closing my eyes helps me focus and get my mind on the one who it can help me. And what I like to do is, I like to close my eyes and I like to get my mind on Jesus. You know, what does that mean? Put, put a picture of Jesus in your mind. I don't know what it looks like. Neither do I. So your guess is as good as mine. You say, wasn't that kind of strange? Simple faith. Keep it simple. So you know what? Get my mind on Jesus. And what I want to do, I just want to begin to worship Him. Begin to worship Him and lift His name up. And as I could begin to do that, I believe the presence of God begins to rest on me and then rest in me. And when I do that, the Spirit of God makes manifest in my heart. It begins to manifest itself. It begins to, it begins to come alive inside of me. And the evidence of that coming alive inside of me, the Bible says that I begin to feel the presence of God, the Spirit of God flowing out of me like a river. That river is a language I never spoke before. But as I do that, that's not joining a church, but that's about, do I want to be well today? So I want you, really quickly, and I want everybody to do this. And if they say no, it's cool. But everybody look to somebody and ask them, do you want to be well? And if they said yes, then say, it can happen today. If they say no, say, that's okay. That's okay. Jesus can still help us. And not a right or wrong answer, folks. Not pass or fail. It's simply yes or no. So what are we going to do? I'm going to get some. I need some help, brothers and sisters. I would. I need help. I don't need you standing back there. But in just a moment, we're going to begin to pray. And I want all of you that are down here to lift your hands in just a moment. Not now. Lift your hands and close your eyes and just begin to open up your mouth. Don't just close your mouth and think it in your mind. Remember, we said faith has to be spoken. So I want you to open up your mind, open up your mouth and begin to lift God up. Say, thank you, Jesus. God, I thank you for changing me. I thank you for making me new. I thank you for changing my life, changing my heart. I thank you for healing me. Whatever comes out of your mind. And as you do that, I believe God is going to begin to touch you. Brothers and sisters, can you come help me? By the authority of the word, by the power of the name of Jesus, I loose the manifestation of the presence of God in this place. I loose the power of God, the working of the Holy Ghost. Be filled with the Holy Ghost. Be healed by the power of the Spirit. Be transformed in the name of 
of Jesus. Come on, that's it. Begin to pray. Come on, begin to pray. Your